Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stories from the World. This is David Robert Farmerie. And here we are in 2021. I must admit to being a bit curious each year about this annual ritual that the new year tends to bring. It's best known, of course, for the significant rise in gym memberships and the purchase of exercise equipment, which I must also admit, although I didn't really think of it until just now, that I have added to that statistic this year. But technically speaking, the exercise equipment that I purchased, I decided to purchase it long before the new year ended. And it wasn't because I felt I should be exercising. It was because I needed to to recover from a previous accident. Thank God I'm not going to be part of the statistics. Anyhow, what is it about the new year, the day itself, or well, actually, for most people, it's midnight or 12.01 a.m. the night before that brings about this, this overwhelming need to make resolutions? It is, after all, just another day, truly. Now, do you feel different the day of or the day after you have a birthday? So what is it about the beginning of a new year that makes us feel that we now have a new lease on life. This isn't a complaint, mind you. It's just this overwhelming curiosity. And speaking of overwhelming curiosities, I've been meaning to ask this for quite some time. You know, virtually every cleaner, disinfecting cleaner on the market, on its label, it says kills 99.9% of germs. Okay, that's great, but what I want to know, again, it's this overwhelming curiosity, and what better time to ask it than during the podcast episode that is the first of, you got it, the new year. So what is that 0.1% germ? Nobody talks about it. Does it have a name, or is it just called the 0.1% germ? Anyhow, what is it about this germ that there is nothing on the market that will kill this germ? Is it like something from space that it come out of a meteorite 10,000 years ago and we can't kill it? What is it? I just want to know. And as this is the first episode of the new year, I'm going to take some appropriate license to ramble a bit. Most of it will be lighthearted while some, eh, not so much. But regardless, I hope that the message of the stories comes through loud and clear. Unlike the norm of waiting until New Year's Eve to make my resolutions and to ponder the past year and on and on and on, I actually began my reflecting process a few months ago as I traveled and as I observed and as I watched the world and its happenings continue to unfold. This, as I'm sure I have mentioned at least once or twice or three times before, is one of the great blessings, great advantages of the work that I do. I get to travel and I get to see and experience, as you well know, so many different things in the world. Now, granted, the whole COVID thing has kind of diminished that a bit for me, but still, I got to experience quite a bit. And it is during the end of the year when I start to really reflect back and not for anything life-changing, but really it's more of a, a processing to take what I have experienced, take what I have learned, look at how it has changed me and how I can share that with others. Over this past year, and quite possibly more so than any other year 
Before this, I had found myself at the end of many days simply scratching my head at the things that unfolded during the course of the day, and this scratching was by no means from psoriasis, but rather just being overly perplexed. And again, I want to stress that I don't mean this in a negative way. In fact, many times it was just the opposite. But again, there were so many times that, again, for me at least, were just utterly perplexing. Other times, I came to the end of my days with the optimism of kings newly seated at their thrones. I suppose I could accurately describe the events and unfoldings of this past year as one hell of a roller coaster ride. And how much fun is that? A few weeks ago, I had the great privilege of watching through a friend's telescope the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn. I was quite literally moved to the core. I, mean, I, I, I can't stress that enough. It was something that I really and truly can't put into words. Initially, like I think most people, I was intrigued because it was an event that had not happened in 600 years. And in fact, I learned later that it has not occurred to this extent in 2,000 years. And to make this viewing experience even better, I was so lucky to be where I was. I was in northern Arizona with the skies clear, not a cloud to be seen anywhere, and I was at 6,500 feet of elevation, so I had far less atmosphere to be glancing or gazing through, and it was absolutely astounding. But when I walked outside the night before it reached its pinnacle, and I saw the planets glowing so close together, I truly felt something, something that I can't quite put into words. Then, the night of the peak alignment, which, by the way, lasted only for several minutes before the gap between the two planets began to widen again, I was struck and subsequently overcome by this feeling that I had the night before. This time, however, the feeling was intense, as if something had just possessed me. For lack of a better explanation or description, I felt like I was changed somehow. In short, I felt as if I was filled with a, a knowing, not a sense, but an actual knowing that change, positive change, was rising on the horizon. And that knowing has yet to leave me. And then, we had the incident at our nation's capital, which, rather ironically, did not diminish this sense of positivity that I still had and still have at this moment within me. Now, this is not to say that I was not moved in the opposite direction as I watched from my hotel room's television the unfolding of this insurrection. And even now, as I revisit that moment while I talk about it here, I am still filled with a rage of anger and a profoundly deep sadness in the very deepest part of my heart. Outwardly, I want to pound my fist, while inside, I truly want to weep hard and unstoppable. But then, 
there is that voice, that voice within me, a voice that I have talked about many times before. It is within me now as it was the day that this unfolded. And it continues to reassure me that what happened was actually for the good, as unspeakable as it was, because it brought about, at least I hope it did, an awakening within this country that has been needed for a very, very, very long time. And again, I want to stress that I am not speaking just of politics. I am certainly not speaking of partisanship. I am speaking of something that has been needed across the board in so many aspects of our society. I struggled with this episode. I truly did. On one hand, I did not want to begin this year with anything negative, nor did I want this podcast series to take on a new role of town crier. But I also felt that it was important to bring it up to address it without soapboxing it. And so I am, at least I am trying, to do just that. And perhaps, now that I think about it, I'm simply trying to plant a few seeds that will sprout into a new type of dialogue, an open and respectful dialogue among us all. So instead of rehashing the specifics of the event and staying clear of the political quagmire of rhetoric, I want to talk about the hope that I envision. For many years, our political system in this country has been in a decline, regardless of which side of the political fence you happen to reside. Most of us have placated ourselves by turning a cheek, turning an eye, sometimes both eyes, or simply throwing up our hands in frustration and exasperation. Many of us became apathetic, overwhelmed by a sense of true hopelessness. And as much as I cannot condone, I can never condone what transpired at our nation's capital, I have to wonder sincerely if those actions were not out of a sense of dire hopelessness for the future. But I firmly believe that things have begun to change. I think they began changing several months ago. But like any wound or breakage of a body part, there is increased pain before the healing itself begins. And with any severe wound, there comes a sense of hopelessness, that the wound may never heal, that the person may never recover. Any doctor will tell you that regardless of your ailment, hope is an integral part of the healing process. Again, in short, it tends to get worse before it gets better. Words of Wisdom by Virginia Farmery. I also truly believe that the worst of the pain and even the worst of the hopelessness has already hit us. And I believe equally that the time to heal now lays before us. The choice now is, will we take the opportunity to allow the healing to proceed? And more importantly, are we now willing to engage in the progress of this healing? In talking about this, I am reminded of a conversation I had with my oldest grandson just several hours ago. 
We talked of many things uh, from life 200 million years ago to the events of the other day in Washington, D.C., as well as a plethora of other wide-ranging topics in between. And during this conversation, it was actually kind of towards the end, my grandson said that he lamented the loss of community, and he talked of how communities were once a part of a child's upbringing and how beneficial that seems to have been, even though by the time he was born and being raised, most of that had already begun to leave our society. That, in turn, sparked a reflection on my part. I remember many years ago, I was assigned to photograph an author who had written a book about her experience while on a month-long walkabout with a group of Aborigines in Australia, in the Australian outback. Her experiences and her behind-the-scenes stories that she shared with me over the several days that we were together were beyond astonishing. But the one that came to mind while having this conversation with my grandson is this. Of course, I will need to paraphrase because it has been many years since I heard the story itself. When an Aboriginal child was born, it was presented almost immediately to the entire tribe, which had gathered in a celebratory ceremony. They sang, they prayed, they danced, all to celebrate this new life. Then, one by one, they would approach the new baby and say, you are loved and accepted. From the get-go, every person within this tribe knew just after birth that they were part of the entire community. And as a side note to this story, when a person of this Aboriginal culture was at the end of their life and somehow they knew that that was upon them, they would announce it to the entire tribe as well. And as with the birth of a newborn, the tribe would assemble, sing, and dance, and pray, and celebrate the life of this person while they were there in attendance. Then, just before the person went off on their own to die, which is what they did, each member of the tribe, one by one, approached them and reiterated those words that had been spoken at their birth. You are loved and accepted. Perhaps, just perhaps, at least in part, we need to consider rebuilding our communities again, where every member of the community knows that they are accepted unconditionally, and where each member of the community knows that there is a community that has their back. But in order for something like this to happen, we must first, as individuals, relearn how to be part of a community. And that means we need to learn to respect one another, most especially in the differences that we share with them. When someone knows that their opinions differ from others in the community, even if that community is immediate family, they will feel separated if they know that their opinions are not respected. And that is where the breakdowns begin. And again, keep in mind that to respect someone's opinion doesn't mean that you have to agree with their opinion. It just means that you respect their right to feel or believe as they do. So if that is where the breakdowns begin, 
perhaps that is also where the breakdowns can be rebuilt. And there needs to be honesty between members of the community, not manipulations of truth or circumstances, because that only further breaks down trust. And we all know what results from the absence of trust in one another. So as we head into this new year, let us focus on rebuilding instead of focusing on what has been torn down. As the famous saying goes, and I think it was by Mother Teresa, be the change that you want to see in the world. Now, how difficult is that? It is only ourselves that we need to change. And hell, what could be easier than that? And a whole lot less difficult than trying to change everyone else. So I will leave you with that. A simple request from a most sincere heart. Let us turn our backs on what has transpired over the past year. In fact, over the past however many years. It can only remain in the past if we allow it to remain there. Again, this is our choice. Let us also learn from the past, whether it is our own past or the collective past. That is what the past is for, to be referenced when needed, to retrieve the lessons that it provided. And even if you find difficulty in believing that by changing yourself for the positive, it will help to bring about change in the world, well, so be it. But at the very least, if you change yourself for the positive, you will be much happier within yourself. So at least in this case, if need be, let selfishness rock. Until next time, as always, I thank you most sincerely for allowing me to spend this time with you and to share with you my thoughts and stories from the world. And as always, yes, this episode is copyright 2021, all rights reserved. See you next time.